time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we wake up at the Saturday morning sun, plop down the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris! Oh yeah, this is a musical episode. <laughs> Alright, here we go. And this morning we watched Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad. I think you're a little bit more like in key than me. <laughs> Mine kind of fell off there. Whoops. I, I'm getting <laughs> over a sickness, so it's going to fall off plenty as we go on. I'm getting over a car wreck, to be fair. <laughs> we, we both had terrible weeks. Yeah, it's not been a great week. So no. hopefully the episode will... Well, I, I think we can keep it alive. We can do it. Yes. If we can keep us alive, we can keep the episode alive. There you go. That's yeah. a good incentive. Right. So the show Beck Mongolian Chop Squad aired from 2004-2005, originally created and written by Harold Sakuishi. That was the manga. And then the anime was written by Asamu Kobayashi. This is produced by Madhouse Studios, ran for 26 episodes. So it was only one season long, aired originally on TV Tokyo in Japan and Funimation in the U.S. For short synopsis, Yukio Tanaka known as Koyuki by his friends, is a regular 14-year-old Japanese boy starting 8th grade. His boring life is about to be changed when he saves an odd-looking dog named Beck. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's really just getting to how things get into motion. That doesn't really describe the actual show that much. Well, you can't really describe the actual show in the intro. You just have to kind of... This is how it kicks off. I guess that's fair. So, Chris, who are some actors who played in this one? There was a lot, and there's multiple voice actors for each character, so I just picked the three main characters, because I can't pronounce everything. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to no be so hard. I had trouble with two, so let's right. hear it. So the character of Tanaka Yukio, aka Koyuki, was voiced by Daisuke Namikawa in Japan, and in America, Greg Ayers. The character of Ryusuke Minami was voiced by Yuma Ueno in Japan and Eric Vale in America. And the character of Maho Minami, voiced by Miho Saiki in Japan. The singing voice was an artist known as Suelu, and in America, voiced by Brina Palencia. Holy crap, that was a mouthful. My <laughs> God. <laughs> what are you guys doing to me with these anime names? Jeez. Yeah, right. That was harsh. Anyway, we didn't even really get to see much of the character Maho, but she's considered one of the main characters of the show. Yeah. It just so happened she wasn't really much in the ones that we watched. Yeah, she was uh, Ray's sister, though, and yeah. uh, Koyuki's kind of love interest. They kind of yeah. had a thing. Ray is the nickname for uh, Ryusuke. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to call him Ray because he reminds it's gonna me. It's going to be way easier. He reminds me of Ray. my brother, Ray, when he had long hair and he was a musician. So, nice. Yeah, it makes sense. So for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Mongolian Chop Squad cereal, number one, Koyuki's guitar skills are modeled after Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine. That makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. Some of the guitar riffs sounded like that, so. Yeah. The series and manga had no affiliation with Beck Hansen, who simply goes by Beck. The subtitle Mongolian Chop Squad is used to distinguish itself from the Grammy Award winning musician. Even though it said that, when I first heard of this, I assumed it still had to do something with him. 
like, oh, maybe this is an anime that Beck, like, did the music for or, like, helped develop or something because it sounds like something he would do. Yeah, or at least the the creator had some sort of, like, love for Beck as a musician. But it doesn't right. sound like he even knew he existed just by the way this looked. <laughs> So Fender Japan also produced a line of Beck instruments, including a custom Jaguar and Koyuki's Telecaster. Those, I think, were only in Japan, though, so uh won't be able to find them here. Oh, that sucks. That would be really cool. That'd be a really cool thing to have. Yeah, like the if we could find the one with the bullet holes in it, or at least oh, like stickers awesome. that look like bullet holes, that'd be awesome. I love Fender. I have a Fender Fat Strat here at the apartment. Nice. Also, uh, lastly, Ray's Black Gibson Les Paul guitar is named Lucille, which is also the same name B.B. King gave his Black Gibson. Lucille. Yeah, there were a lot of nods to other musicians, uh, you know, rock gods in this show, even from just what we saw. Oh, definitely. And there's a lot of music in this anime, and a lot of it was really good. I, I got really into some of the songs. I'm like, yeah, dude, I could listen to this. Some of the singing, not as much. But mm-hmm. the the music style was stuff that I could get into for sure. Yeah. So did you know, I mean, it sounds like you didn't kind of in the same boat as me, but did you know anything about this show beforehand? Do you have any memories? No, I've only heard of it before. Um, I had seen it advertised when it first came out and yeah, just heard the name. So I didn't know really anything about it. I knew that it had to do with music, which is probably why I associated it with the musician Beck. But I didn't know anything about I didn't know that it was like named after that little dog that looked like a little Frankenstein dog. Yeah, I don't understand the dog yet. I mean, even in the three we watched, that dog is really not explained. I don't know why it looks the way it does. It's weird. Yeah, it almost has like patches of different dog skin attached to itself. I'm thinking it it just had like a I'm thinking it had some kind of injuries where it had maybe some of its skin was removed or burned off or something. And so it had some other skin grafted on. And I don't know other dogs. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why it was different types of dogs. Maybe that was by owner request or something. But yeah, that's there, just my like, assumption. It was like Dalmatian and uh-huh. there was like definitely like a hound. And yeah, it was it was really weird. It's, it was know. an interesting looking dog, though. Yeah, it was. Oh, hey, this uh, episode was recommended via Twitter by Jeremy Hausen. Oh, yeah. At Jezza underscore NZ. Jeremy has, has picked another episode for us before in the past, and he's been one of our listeners on some of our other shows, also this one. So big thanks to Jeremy, who has always been really supportive. We love you. We do. All the way out there in New Zealand. I know. When I move to New Zealand, we're going to be neighbors. I'm going to request that I get a place right next to yours. Apparently, they're paying people to move to uh, some town out there because they need jobs. I know. So, so I've heard. Yeah. So if you want to move to New Zealand, you can get paid to do it. Get paid for New Zealand. <laughs> Musical episode. Musical episode. <laughs> this show completely slipped by me, which is unusual since this came out during my early college years, which was pretty much when I was most invested in watching new anime. So I don't know how it did or why I had never heard of it even. Maybe I had heard it mentioned, but I assumed it was just someone talking about Beck. Not that I have anything against Beck the Musician. It's just like I wouldn't have associated it with anime. So I don't know. Never knew about this until it was mentioned to us. I like some Beck. I mean, the musician. Let's go ahead and jump right into the three episodes we watched for today's show. The very first episode. Highest rated episode. And finally, a random or listener chosen episode. Or it may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode, which was The View at 14, Season 1, Episode 1. 
where after having a rough evening hanging out with his friends, Koyuki happens upon a strange dog being picked on by some kids and scares them off. That's kind of lead into it. We talked about that a little bit yeah. in the synopsis. I really, really like the intro song. I think the song was called Hit in America or something. Hit in the USA. Hit in the USA, yeah. By Beat Crusaders. And it's really good, dude. I, I could sing that song like like I hear it in my head all the time now. Do it. Sing it. Uh, I don't know the words. I just know the like freaking <laughs> do the tune. Man. Yeah, I just really like the chorus. That's like I was made to hit in America. That's oh, so yeah. cool. Like I, I love it when uh, they, they're playing the song and they've got like all the characters just kind of casually lip sync into it and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. It's like a music video. It's an awesome intro. Yeah, definitely. I love it. And they would have heard it already coming into this episode before we even started doing this. So you guys already know it's all. You know. You know. <laughs> so so we're gonna episode, pick up so many listens. <laughs> oh, or we're gonna lose so many <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. Probably. We're gonna we're gonna top the charts with this thing. Uh or fall off. <laughs> so Okay, this little dog belongs to Ray, who we mentioned earlier, and because Koyuki saved it, by the way, Koyuki is named that by another girl in this anime whose name escapes me, but he's named that because there were two people with his name, uh, Yukio, so he is the smaller version, and so they called him Koyuki. I think the girl's name was Izumi. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. And they were like childhood friends. Well, they're still children, but they were like really early childhood friends and kind of parted ways. This is one thing that threw me off. And I will go ahead and just this stands for every episode that we watch, too. This is definitely an anime that you can't skip around. Oh, man. Because every episode we got to, I was so confused as to what was going on because I missed so much before it. So, like, we get introduced to Izumi that I'm like, okay, this is obviously the love interest because he's nervous around her. He seems like he really likes her. She's someone from his past. They haven't talked for three years, and now she's inviting him out. They're doing stuff together. I'm like, okay, obviously, this is the girl he's going to be trying to stick with throughout the thing. But apparently, she's only in, like, two episodes. So, I'm like, what? Like, uh, so confused. (laughs) Yeah, that was something I was going to mention was this was one where I'm sure it it does go very chronologically, but it's not one where you can skip around. You won't be able to make sense of what's going on necessarily. Yeah, it was it was weird. I I was not expecting it. And then we we get to the next episode and it's like she's, you know, talking about how he's with some other girl. And I'm like, what is going on? But uh, in this episode, he's invited out with the girl Azumi at first. They go bowling together. They go to this weird restaurant that's kind of like this guy's serving alcohol to minors and stuff. I don't know exactly right, what's yeah. going on there. But it's a it's a shady establishment. We see Ray break up with his then girlfriend because he's too busy for her. He's just kind of a <laughs> he's only he's only 16. And that was the best. Yeah. He's 16. He talks like he's in his 20s or something and uh-huh. he gets treated like it. Like when the the girl's like super upset and like asking why he's doing this, he's like, I just don't have time right now. I don't yeah. have time for this. And <laughs> she like slaps him. I'm like, geez. Yeah. Like what a line. I don't have time. He's just kind of a slacker kid. He's too cool. He's way too cool. Way too cool for her. There's a lot of things I, I liked about this first episode. Some of it wasn't really carried on in some of the other episodes, but like he's got this friend with him that 
they're, it's supposed to be the same age, but for some reason looks like a 50 year old man. Oh yeah. Cause he's got like gray in his hair. He's got <laughs> a really hard looking face, but the dude is super goofy and he's like trying to take pictures of girls crotches and stuff while they're swimming. And oh yeah. Like such a, like a huge pervert. <laughs> it's really weird. And then what's kind of funny, this one line the guy has is when Izumi comes and like talks to our main character, the guy is like, dude, you're a god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that like that made me actually like laugh out loud. And that was the first time I laughed out loud in this show. But that was funny to me. Yeah, that was really good. I like that they go to an arcade. And I wish the arcades were still like that big over in the United States. Cause yeah. There's still big things in Japan, but I haven't seen like an arcade since like I went to Dave and Buster's on my 21st birthday. And, and David Buster's is like the most commercial arcade ever like the, the you got time crisis and you got cruising usa and then just a bunch of games to win tickets for really short prizes <laughs> and that's pretty much it like nothing cool so i i miss the arcade that was cool to hang out at as a kid yeah this place looked really cool like it was a common hangout place for the kids we actually have a place down here called free play arcades where you pay a certain amount of front um, I think it's like, I don't know, $12, something like that. And then it's unlimited arcade time for however oh long you're there. And then uh, you can also buy alcohol there. So it's a fun place to go. There you have pinball machines. They have a ton of arcade games. It's great. So guess what I'm doing in November <laughs> when I come down there? <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely do that. But uh, yeah, so that's their hangout spot there. Azumi and Koyuki go to visit Ray. And it's some kind of weird like... Um, intro to his place i don't know if it's supposed to be like a mysterious place or what or if it's like really off the beaten path there's like a dirt clouds going around and stuff yeah and there's like really dramatic music playing and stuff but then it just that's the end of the episode yeah it cuts the episode off like, right there what like, like it was a dramatic heck? cliffhanger that oh right. they found race house but I'm like, what's dramatic about this? It's a house and it's dusty outside. Yeah, I bet the second episode would have told us if we had watched that. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's that's why there's there's several moments in some of these episodes I feel like they kind of missed. Not really missed the mark so much, but th- that the, the payoff was somewhat disappointing. It's one of those things where it's like when you're reading comic books, some issues are written for the trade where it's like uh, you need right. to read them all six in succession or else yes. you're going to miss something somewhere. This is what that show was like to me. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I'm going to try not to let that affect my rating sure. of this one because I, I think we pretty much have to come to it as a per episode basis, like what the quality was over the flow, because obviously jumping around the way we usually do, it doesn't work as well with this particular show. Right. No, that makes sense. And uh, oh, my gosh, like this, um, this show's kind of hardcore. Like they do not shy away from the F-bombs. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and and Ryusuke like pulls out a gun and like sticks it in this dude's face and is talking about how he's going to like blow his brains out and. But it turns out that it was a prop gun. Yeah. And the guys find out and beat the crap out of him. I was really (laughs) nervous when I saw that. I was like, oh, man, where is this show going? Like, what kind of show is this I'm watching? It's a very tense moment. I can really relate to Koyuki because as a teenager, I was a lot like him. I was soft spoken for the most part. I I went through a, a period where I was like 15 going into 16 and my personality dramatically changed. 
and it's because I met different people and because I started in a band. So it was a lot like this. Like I, I had certain friends. I was a certain way. I was quiet. I sat in the back of the class. I didn't care that much about school and didn't have a whole lot of hobbies outside of school. And and I was like him, whereas like there's this one part when we first get introduced to him, he's doodling and he gets called on in class and he reads from the wrong book. I can't tell you how many times that happened to me at <laughs> school, like all the time. So this was definitely me. And, and, and things for me changed just like him when I met uh, this guy who his nickname was Happy instead of uh, Ryusuke yeah. <laughs> or Ray. <laughs> And me and him started a band together and then like everything dramatically changed for me. And that was that became my life for like the next several years was just playing music. And I was I was going to like CD bars and stuff like that as a teenager, just like this guy. So this show's about me. I totally relate to this character. I mean, I was thinking that when I was watching this, I was like, Chris is probably going to be able to talk a lot more about this than I can on a personal level because of you being in that band as a teenager, just like these characters. Yeah, I mean, that kind of just brings it to what I assumed it would be, where you would have a lot more insight into like, is this how things are or is this anything similar to what it was like? Yeah, this show is probably the closest that I've ever seen media come to a teenager in a band. Mm. Like some of the, the situations they get into and some of the, uh, like the politics with other bands and stuff um, on a local level is very, very similar to what we got here. And I'll explain some more of that when we get in the next episodes. Nice. So that's a good segue to get into the next episode, which is secret live season one, episode 12. This was Jeremy's pick actually, but I really like this episode, and it introed one of the songs that I really love. This is probably my favorite song yes. out of the entire thing so far. Of course, this is only watching three episodes out of the 26, but out of the three we saw, this was my favorite song. What was the name of the song? Because I thought I wrote it down, but I don't see it. The song was... Um, oh, is it Brainstorm? No, no, no. The song was Moon Over Moon on the Water. Yeah, that was my favorite one. Yeah, so this other band that everyone's kind of into is playing and they call Kayuki up to the stage to sing with them. And when he first gets up there, he sucks. Well, like he's, they, they kick this other band off. They're just like, get out of here. Yeah. You guys suck. <laughs> that was pretty good too. Yeah. So then they bring him up there and they ask him to sing. And for a split second, he's not doing good. Then he kind of stops and collects himself. And then the dude just unleashes it, and he's really good. I was pretty impressed, honestly. Yeah, I think this was actually the episode where he kind of becomes like a backup singer for the band that is to be Beck or Mongolian Chop Squad in America. Right, exactly. And I thought that was interesting, too, that the the name of the band was different in Japan versus America. But I suppose that that's not, you know, it's probably more commonplace than you think, but... Yeah, Who knows? I, I think that what I had read and I may be off a little bit, but I think that I mean, it is originally named Beck, but I think even in the the manga or the anime, like when they actually did come over to America, they actually officially changed their name within the series itself. So it's not only just because it was translated over to American by Funimation, it's because it was when they came over to America in the show itself. They had to differentiate themselves from, you know, I I think the way they put it was that their manager didn't think Beck would stand out enough or something. I don't know if they tied it back to Beck Hansen at all. Probably not. But because their manager didn't think it would stand out enough, that's how they became the Mongolian Chop Squad. So the title of the thing is the combination of both their original name and their American name. 
And Mongolian Chop Squad is an awesome band name. That is a really like, cool name. I love that name. It's so good. I would definitely listen to a band called Mongolian Chop Squad. I think that's amazing. So just because I was talking about being young and playing in bands, they really nailed in this show a pet peeve of mine, which is these bands that are kind of seasoned but still on the local level, but acting like it's such a burden for them to go out and play music every night. You basically, you've got like three tiers in the local level. You've got the bands that just start out and it's obvious they're not going anywhere because they're sloppy, they don't practice, they're not very good. You've got the bands that are the absolute workhorses and about 9% of those bands actually get a chance to break big. But then you also have like this third tier that used to be workhorses and they got a lot of success on the local level, but they got too full of themselves and because of that, they never progressed and like broke big. Like those bands. <laughs> that's that's uh, basically how I approach it. It's not a burden to go out on stage and play music every night with bands that are, you know, not as known, well known as you. Performing is a privilege every single time. Because even if only one person goes to your show, that's one person that decided that your band, your music is worth 30 to 60 minutes of their life. So even if you're playing for one person... It's worth it every time. So end of rant. <laughs> if, if you're one of those local bands that's full of themselves and talk shit on the, the other bands, go fuck yourself. That's pretty much how I feel about all of our shows. <laughs> Anyone willing to spend 30 to 60 minutes listening to any of our garbage is a hero by my books. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, they're, they're, they're spending time of their lives listening to us. And so you have to look at it as a privilege every time, even oh, if it's just one person. Absolutely. So anybody listening, thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I almost sounded like I was about to go in, like, into an Alanis-like song or something right there. <laughs> Alanis Morissette. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Isn't that ironic? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, okay. So Koyuki sings Moon on the Water. Like you were mentioning earlier, he gets that bad case of stage fright at first, but then he really kind of comes out and gives it his all, puts his heart into it. And that's when it's just really kind of takes over for him. And that's essentially what really helps his band to hit it off big. It's a big turning point for his band to where now they're noticed because not only that, there's also a upcoming filmmaker who's shooting a documentary of this live showing. And he, of course, is presented in it because he comes up on stage. So he's getting that representation within that documentary, and that's also helping to push for his band. And then he kind of, uh, so after he sings and stuff like that, you know, he's starting to get a little bit of notoriety, which is cool. And um, there's this one scene that I don't remember exactly why he goes there. I don't even think he, much dialogue is exchanged with him and this other person, but he goes and like, he's going to talk to some dude that looks like maybe some kind of manager or something who's yelling at someone on the phone. I mean, like, cussing them out hardcore. Yeah. He sees Koyuki walk in, and he's just like, hi. And then goes back to, like, cussing this dude out over the <laughs> phone. <laughs> Koyuki just kind of keeps just going on, and he ends up meeting up with uh, Izumi at a pool in the middle of the night. And I really liked this scene because, I mean, because this takes me back, too. I mean, I, I distinctly remember swimming in my parents' pool as a teenager on the 4th of July with a girl and fireworks going up overhead and stuff like that and just kind of hanging out and just enjoying the, the night. 
you know, when you're a teenager, especially if you're in a band, only two things pretty much exist to you, and that is the band and whatever girl you're in love with that month. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it just it brings back a lot of nostalgia for me. Like every episode, like brought me something back. Yeah, there was a point that, was that touched age. on something in your life. Yeah, exactly. So this is where we hear she's kind of talking about how she broke up with her boyfriend, but that she feels she missed her window of opportunity with him. And that's where I was like, Man, wait, what? I was so trap. confused. That's a trap. Yeah. And and <laughs> because it, that's why I was just like, well, why isn't he like, oh, no, like, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. But then we see this other girl come up. She's like singing and she sees them in the pool and she starts crying and runs away. That so is I'm like, oh, Maho. yeah, he must have been seeing this other girl, you know, or they must have had some kind of thing going. And that's what Zumi's talking about. But I was so confused here because we hadn't even like in the episodes we watched, we hadn't even met that character yet. So I was completely lost at that point. That was at the end of that episode. Do you remember oh, the, the very end of the episode ends on like a sad note, but I don't understand the significance again i'm kind of lost <laughs> yeah yeah everyone's like watching this television news broadcast thing of some pop singer that committed suicide oh yeah and it looks like it's affecting everybody but i have no idea who this is supposed to be maybe so, yeah maybe the characters shrugged. had some kind of interaction with her prior to this it must have or they or know, were, were inspired by her who knows but yeah, you can feel the gravity of it, even though even if you jumped from episode one to episode 12, somewhere in between this character Something, had significance, yeah. this musician, and now she is lost. Audible shrug. Audible sadness. I don't think there's anything else about this episode. We can jump into the last episode we watched for today's show, which was Third Stage, season one, episode 24, which was the highest rated episode. After the band seems to break up before their time on the third stage, the band is slowly reforming just in time to play their hearts out for the growing crowd. See, I was confused right off the bat here, too, because I didn't know that the <laughs> band like split up. Like it starts out with them playing and Ryusuke is not there and neither is this other guy that I guess was supposed to be their main singer. Yeah, Chiba's vocals were more like kind of rap hip hop esque. It was kind of weird, like. This band, to me, goes between Audio Slave to Rage Against the Machine. Like, those seem to be, like, the, the sort of styles they kind of go back and forth between a little bit. I don't know. Sure. But, yeah, he definitely had a little bit of a Rage Against the Machine-ish kind of style to him. But, yeah, they so they're playing on the stage, and they're playing a song that lasts, like, half the episode before oh, yeah. they do anything else. And I don't <laughs> know why it was so long, unless they were just stalling for time, which maybe... Well, I'm pretty sure they it. were just kind of stalling, because at that point, it was just uh, Koyuki singing, and it's like, what else was he going to sing? I don't know how many of their songs are directed towards him. Right, yeah. And then they're waiting for Ryusuke to show up, and he does, but... Before, it looks like he's talking with some sort of, like, label people slash gangsters who, I guess, let him borrow a guitar, but it looked like... I, I don't understand it. It's like... It, it seems like he made some sort of deal with them for this guitar and that maybe he wasn't supposed to play with, with the band anymore, but he does anyway. It was some kind of, like, deal with the devil type thing yeah. it looked like. Also, Chiba... The singer, he was like kidnapped or something. And right, yeah. And then escapes. <laughs> he had to break out. He, he escaped to come and sing for the band. That's dedication. Chiba seems like kind of an idiot from what <laughs> I can tell. 
<laughs> but but he's he's funny he seems, though. He seems like a fun guy. I remember um I think in the last episode he went up to Koyuki and just kind of body slammed him for no reason. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of did it just for fun. Yeah. So, I mean, Ryusuke is good. Like they they have this moment when he finally gets on stage and starts playing again. But honestly, their bass player is amazing. Like, they don't highlight that guy really at all. But whoever is playing the music for this anime, whoever's playing bass is amazing. Like, extremely talented. I wish they kind of would have highlighted that because that dude really, his playing level is like way above where Ryusuke is on guitar. So I'm like, man, if if they were going to have somebody come back as like, you know, saving the band, they probably should have made him better at his instrument than some of the other characters. Well, the uh, the bass player was kind of modeled after Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Because yeah, you could tell. He takes his shirt off and everything. He's got the blonde hair. Right. And, oh, yeah. here They play this song called Brainstorm here, and that song was really awesome. And I love, like, so the crowd keeps growing, and they keep showing this one girl every once in a while. And then finally she's just like, ah, I love it so much, and just, like, rips her top off and, <laughs> yeah. like, throws it in the air. And like somebody in another was like, scene, you slut. Yeah. Oh, what a slut. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. <laughs> oh, that was great. But it was it was nice to see some some payback here to what I was talking about before, the pretentious bands where like on the main stage and stuff, it kept raining off and on. So when it was raining, they would leave. Yeah. And, you know, head to the back and they're like, oh, we'll finish our set once the rain stops. And people are getting mad because they're out there waiting. I mean, it's super crowded and everyone's just like, screw it and starts heading over to see Mongolian Chop Squad. Yeah, it was kind of some nice little revenge here for the this band that treats everyone like crap that they lose all of their listeners and they all go over to the band that's actually trying hard. You know, even as so. a standalone episode, I think this was a really strong one because I don't think I would have had to watch any of the other episodes to appreciate this one. The Seeing this band yeah. who were obviously kind of up-and-comers getting that spotlight that they really deserve because of how talented they were versus these others who are just all, um, I mean, you already said pretentious, but just very like full of themselves, full of themselves and like too good for like, Oh no, it's raining. Like we can't go out now. Like they're, they're very uptight. And so it's just good to see the little guy get the reward in this case. So all of the other listeners start to head towards Mongolian Chop Squad stage three. And then even though the um, the venue didn't want it to happen, Beck gets put on the TV or yeah. on the big screen so that everybody else can see it, too. So they're like, oh, OK, what's this? And they all start wondering over there, too. So by the end of it, it's like there's a huge amount of people there, like way, way more. I yep. like seeing the guy with the clicker, you know, to show who all was coming in. It was just like it went from just a normal rate to like a boop, 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 boop. Like he just kept oh, having yeah. to tap it as they he, were coming in. Yeah, he was clicking this little thing to show attendance right. to stage three. And yeah, the number's constantly jumping up, and they're like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, it just skyrocketed. But this episode had the most music in it, I think, and maybe that's why it was the highest rated. I I can't say for sure, but I loved almost all of the music that they played. Like, I I I could listen to the soundtrack of this anime and get really into it. So for me, that was definitely a high point. And yeah, you like you said, this kind of this episode kind of really summed up a lot of the show itself cuz you could kind of get a sense of everything that's been happening right you up see, to that point. You see the struggle, you see the reuniting and you see the payoff all in one episode and that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. 
that was a good episode for the show for sure. Oh yeah, I'm glad that this was the highest rated because this was a good one for us to see. So Chris, it's about time we bring our inner kids out on stage and let them freestyle their thought on Beck Mongolian Shot Squad. All right, plug in your amp, little guy. This music rocks super hard, but I keep getting so confused over who's in what band and what the band names are and who does what, what playing, who what. What? Uh, I have no idea what I just said. I think I need to watch it all to understand, but I could totally use this show as a guide from my teen years, which are just around the corner, and hopefully topless women, too. For now, I'm just gonna listen to the soundtrack, and I give this 3.5 musical bowls of cereal out of 5. And now, stage left. While I am a fan of music, not being very musically inclined myself, Beck is not a show that I would typically be drawn to. However, setting the musical portion aside, this show really nailed the slice of life drama aspect, doing a wonderful job on plotting out points of self-discovery, allowing the viewer to really relate to the characters, Koyuki in particular. On top of that, this anime score was incredibly catchy and often paid homage to various rock legends. Overall, I would give this show four bowls of Beck, not the Beck you're thinking of, cereal out of five, and can say without a doubt that it rocked. Pun definitely intended. In closing, it also made me more comfortable with dropping F-bombs, because why the f*** not? Ah, so that's how I learned that word. Yeah, I was wondering where that came into play. Well, Uh, yeah, let's drop the curtain on those two. <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts about Beck Mongolian Chop Squad? I think this is a great anime all around. I don't think that it's for everybody, maybe. I do and I don't, I guess. There, there's a portion of me that really likes the slice of life aspect of it where you can follow these characters and see them going from their kind of a naive youthful stage to starting this band and going through all the trials and tribulations that come with that and that much i can appreciate about it but i i think this would appeal more to people who are like you said uh, either in bands or are you know huge fans of music And like I said, I'm a fan of music myself, but not to the extent where I need to know everything about the underlying skeleton of it. But I think for anyone who is, this is a very good show for that. So overall, I would recommend this show, but I think it would be really appealing to a specific audience. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I feel like this show is definitely catered towards people in my position, people that were musicians before or are musicians that can really relate to it. Because coming from that aspect, I mean, there's a lot of nostalgia here for me, but if I hadn't been involved in music or knew much of the music industry, I could see how this might be kind of a boring show for people. But I I do think that the show has something special and it does have something cool to offer. A glimpse at three episodes is like we had is definitely not enough. So I'm going to go back and I plan on watching the series in full because I really want to get the experience that the creators were going for and see where this thing's going because it got so confusing with some of the interpersonal relationships that change from episode to episode. So yeah, I I, I feel like to to really understand it, I got to watch the whole thing. So I would recommend that. This is one that if you want to watch it, invest the time in it and give it its like full shot. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, it's kind of weird because I feel like this show tugged up my nostalgia more than anything we've watched so far. And not because it's something that I watched as a kid, but it's just because it had so many relatable experiences for me in particular. 
So it's strange to me that that I've never seen this show, but I was able to relate and it was able to, like I said, tug that nostalgia chain more than what we've done so far. So it's really exciting for me in that aspect. So I'm looking forward to watching the, the full show. And I think it's one I could easily grow to love. Grow to love. I was going to say, is there anything else you want to sing before we go? I think I'm good. <laughs> what was that song? Do you remember what the song was that he kept on singing for the most of the last episode we watched? I don't remember, but I remember hearing the chorus at least seven times. Which, And it's very surprising that I do not remember the words to that. It seems like it would have been ingrained in my head. I mean, I definitely like the full moon sways part. Full moon sways. Yeah, that was a good one. In closing for this, though, thank you so much, Jeremy, for recommending this show. It was really interesting and a good surprise to both of us for different reasons. Definitely. Thank you, Jeremy. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, I tried. He's going to make that his ringtone or something. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time. Oh, let me sing this. Hold on. (laughs) Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, man. We're so good. I know. We should start a band. Fucking <laughs> talented. <laughs> uh, we'll call it Beck. <laughs> anyway, next week we'll be watching Parasite the Maxim, submitted via YouTube by We Are Sibs. Nice. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Presented by Nerdsloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.